Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. I want to get on into the word this morning. It, my message is titled, The Reward for Serving Others. The Reward for Serving Others. And if you brought in a bulletin with you, they gave you one when you came in, you can take notes in the, from and with your bulletin. You can also use your smart device. If you have our app, you can uh, get on board and uh, use your smart device uh, to uh, record the notes as well. I'm going to be open and vulnerable with you today, almost on a level that's a little bit uncomfortable for me. It's uh, worth it, however, to see people get free. So here's where I start, and all of you that do any kind of ministry, all, the, all of you that serve the Lord in some capacity need to give rich ear to this message today. And there are many of you. As I look around this room right now, I think there are more people that are actually serving the Lord, doing something for the kingdom right here at Central Assembly than those who do not. Right now in this room. So this word is for you. During ministry life, I've run across people that came across my path broken. Comes with the territory. And so as I got to know them, I recognized that they needed love and gentle care. So naturally, as a pastor, I stepped in to do what I could with counsel, with grace, um, and the gentleness that's necessary when someone is going through difficulties or struggles. When they are broken, you have to handle them with gentle care. Sometimes they come from churches and they got broken in another church. Sometimes they have a family situation that brings them to your doorstep. Sometimes bondages and strongholds of the enemy and they come to our doorstep broken. In those circumstances, you soon realize that you're being watched. First to see if you're real and whether I would live up to that first good impression. I'd like to at least think I'd give a good first impression. In other words, could I stand up to the perfect standard of the love of Christ? That's how I'm being measured. I realize that as a pastor. Let me help you out this morning. I didn't. I have moments of weakness. If you get around me and observe me long enough, you'll see the lesser side of me. The places that have not completely conformed to Jesus. Because I cannot bear such scrutiny. I disappoint most eventually. At some point, I had to let them down. It didn't last as the, I didn't last as the warm, interested pastor. Now, what they could not see, of course, was that I had problems of my own. Priorities left unattended in my own life. Human frailties. Weaknesses of my own. If you haven't figured it out yet, I've not been glorified. So there, I said it. I'm human like you. 
have a couple of chinks in my armor. If you get around me, you'll, you'll see. Maybe that's a relief to some of you. Perhaps you could stop looking. <laughs> I've admitted they exist. Now, saying all of that, my only consolation is that life tells me, ministry life tells me, you're all the same. So what I'm saying to you is that if I get around you long enough, I'm going to see you. I mean the real you, not the church you. All of us, I believe, have plenty of room to grow when it comes to looking like Jesus. So let me take you to this passage of Scripture that I think will help you to set the tone and work our way through this message that I know is for every single one of you that ever do anything for the Lord, especially if you do it here at Central Assembly. Ephesians 6, verses 7 and 8 say these words, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do. Now that's a message to believers. That's not to non-believers. This word is written to the church in Ephesus, a good church. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord. Father, you take this word now and apply it to these lives. You know everyone that's in this room and those who are watching or listening to us online. You know them all. God, I know that you will use this to work good in their lives. And I trust you with this word, Lord. Thank you for giving me the privilege of presenting it. Help me to do it with courage and the same the kind of tenacity that Holy Spirit I need to make sure people get it. In your name I pray, Lord. Amen. Two problems, same solution. Two problems, same solution. The two great problems uh, in serving others are both problems of the human nature. The two great problems in serving others are both problems of the human nature. I apologize for how this looks on the screen for those of you watching. Uh, it clears up a little bit later, but it just, it is what it is. Before I talk about the two problems in serving others, let me first talk about how we get off course. We tend to focus on our relationship with people instead of our relationship with Christ. And this is where we get out of balance. I'll say that first line again. We tend to focus on our relationship with people instead of our relationship with Christ. And these changes that we make, we make them on our own, are very subtle, and we seldom know uh, their impact on our walk with God. These changes. We, we make the changes. We make the adjustment. It's very subtle. We don't know we're doing it. We all think we're doing what we do with right motives. For the most part. In the kingdom of God, people that are serving the Lord, we think what we're doing, we're doing with right motives. I'm going to challenge you on that by the time we're done with this message, but we at least think we're doing it with the right motives. Now, back to the two great problems in serving others. Number one, or the first is that people will expect too much of you. People will expect too much of you. And the second, like unto it, Sounds like the, ten, the, the great commandments, Jesus said. Like unto it, 
is you will expect too much of them. Right here is where the problems lie. Expect too much. They will expect too much of you, and you will expect too much of them. Both problems are problems of unrealistic expectations. And I, I, I'm going to tell you all this, just give you a little premarital counsel for any of you that are not married in the place. This is top three in marriage struggles, unrealistic expectations. Here's how this rolls out. You believe that they are going to romance you like they did the year before you were married. You actually believe that, that it's going to continue after you are married. Every wife in here that's been married five years plus could say amen, but don't. You don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> I'm not challenging whether or not you love each other. It's just unrealistic to expect them to continue to operate like they did when they were romancing you. It's unrealistic. And you're going to find yourself in front of my desk within five years saying, Pastor, I don't understand. We took those premarital counsel classes with you. How did we get to this place? But we do this in all of life. We do this in our workplaces. We do this in the church. Unrealistic expectations. Your expectations of yourself are often inflated. Don't believe me? Come on. Surely you understand this. How many times have you been at an altar saying, God, I can't believe I did this to you? You thought you wouldn't fall in that sin again. You thought you wouldn't, but you did. Unrealistic expectations. I'm not saying that you don't grow out of that and get better. And I'm not giving excuses for you not improving in these zones. I'm simply saying your expectations of yourself are often inflated. Of course they're inflated on others. Expectations must be focused on Christ, not on each other. That's what I'm, I, I'm giving you right now. This is where we're going to conclude. That point right there. Expectations must be focused on Christ, not on each other. He's the only one that will consistently not let us down. So I'm glad I got that off my chest. Before I beat you up a little bit, I'm glad I got that off my chest. But you can have confidence, I'll bring it back around where you'll feel better when you walk out of here. The phrase, I'm not God, truly fits here. And I'm not God, that is. Not that any of you wonder. I just want you to get your expectations aligned properly. So where does this leave us? And here's a statement that you need to have in your, it is in your notes if you're following us here, but the milk of human sympathy will undernourish your soul. The milk, I'm being biblical with you now, of human sympathy will undernourish your soul. In other words, you're not going to get the vitality and building blocks you need when you're looking to gain it from the milk of another person. I'm using this metaphorically, you understand that. But I'm saying that, that it'll just undernourish you. If you're looking for your growth and 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 you to be made to feel good because of other people, you're looking in the wrong place. 
No amount of human gratitude will properly compensate your effort to improve the human condition. In other words, it doesn't matter how many times someone else compliments you for something you did, that's not a good building block for your spiritual life and well-being. It's not. It may feel good, but feelings, emotions don't build your life. That's not a good foundation to build your spiritual well-being. When we focus on serving the person, we are inevitably disappointed. I'm going to say it again. When we focus on serving the person, we are inevitably disappointed. You should know we will disappoint them. Everyone listening to my voice right now understands this concept because you know about the apostle also known as Peter. No, Lord, I wouldn't let anyone take you. And he stood right up believing it in, a, in that one moment when he was very human, whipped out a sword, chopped off a guy's ear. I'm with you, Jesus. Let's take this place by storm. And then a few hours later, I don't know him. You think you're any better than Peter? Now it turned out good with Peter, right? So there's hope for all of you. There's even hope for me. I can be a good pastor after all. Yeah. Serving, this is what Patrick Morley, who is a, a, an excellent writer for, for men, minister to men in particular, that's his focus. He, he writes these words, serving people for the sake of gratitude is a guaranteed formula for disappointment. Serving people for the sake of gratitude is a guaranteed formula for disappointment. Just when you begin to feel good about your labors, someone lets you down. They show disappointment or ingratitude. We live in a world that's full of that right now, right now. Because what's happened, it's the entitlement mentality that, has, that permeates so much of American society today. And I, I feel bad for you young people that are in here. I feel bad for you because we did it to you. When, whenever we told you you could get a trophy just because you showed up, we did it to you. We made you a beast. We will never satisfy all of those needs because you didn't learn that you had to actually work to achieve a goal. I think it's evil. Ultimately, I think that idea is evil. I understand why people employ it. Because you're trying to make everybody happy. You'll never make everybody happy just by trying to meet them where their emotional level sits. No, you've got to grow people to the point where they understand that this is what happens in life. This is life. I work hard and I can achieve goals that I'm capable of if I work hard at it. You, just when you think you're going to, you begin to feel good about your labor, someone lets you down. They show disappointment or ingratitude. I just, you, you think you've done everything right. And then you find out they 
took a whole different view of it. And what's most likely to happen is that someone will expect too much of you and accuse you of letting them down. And they'll let you know. They have ways of letting you know, especially today. You got media, all forms of media that they can get in touch with you, send you texts, say things to you on the text that they wouldn't say to your face. You let me down. You didn't do this right. Whatever part of this vicious cycle you're caught in, you are destined for deep discouragement. Wherever you're caught on this cycle, on the receiving end, on the sending end, at some point you're going to get caught in this cycle. It's a vicious cycle. And, and, and I'm going to help you today to get out of this cycle. If you'll apply the principles I'm giving you today, you'll have a successful, joyous walk with Jesus. So I ask the question now in main point number two, where's our zeal? Why do Christians shrink from serving others with zeal? Why do Christians shrink from serving others with zeal? And here's how it happens. Every time we give ourselves in service and the recipient still isn't satisfied, our spirit withers a little more. It happens on a soul level. Your spirit withers some. Every time somebody's just a, they're just not quite satisfied. You start thinking, why bother? Because the ingratitude is harsh. So why bother? Why keep doing it? Why keep serving? People aren't happy. Doesn't matter what you do. Which may be truth, but that doesn't make it right or that you lose your zeal. The real issue is to clarify why we serve. Now you know where we're headed. That's the real issue. Clarify why you serve. There is no value in whimpering over ingratitude from ignorant people. Now I know you think that using, and it may be crude, using a word like ignorant people. I'm not saying it like they're stupid. I'm saying it from the platform of they don't know that they're doing it. They don't know that this is what it's creating. And you're one of the they. <laughs> because you have unrealistic expectations just like they have unrealistic expectations. Now, I'm not, in all of this I'm saying, and I talked about expectations with spouses. Listen, that's not an excuse to stop doing the things that are romantic and, and, and encourage and strengthen your relationship. That's not an excuse for this. See, I was telling you, honey, everybody's like this. That's not an excuse. But Whimpering over ingratitude from ignorant people isn't going to help you at all. And every person that has ever slaved over a Thanksgiving meal for a day and a half only to hear some nine-year-old say, I don't like that. I mean, y'all know how you do. You be making, you're baking pies on Sunday that you're going to eat on Thursday. You've spent days preparing that meal only to hear something like that. I don't like cranberry sauce. I don't care what you put on it. Your gravy tastes a little chalky. Not yours, Albert. I know you know how to cook, bro. As does your wife. So y'all are all good, but you know, in other households, sometimes that stuff happens. You need to understand that your motive must be to please God, not man. 
if you're doing anything in and around the church, I don't care if you're picking up papers. You show up. Victor's right here ready to sign you up after service for Squeaky Scrubbles Day, the day we've dubbed it. He's ready to show. He's ready. And listen, if you walk out of here at 2 o'clock and you've served for five hours and he doesn't pat you on the back, you need to understand that your motive must be to please God, not Victor. It's going to get a little rough before it gets better, folks. Because we get this all the time in and around the church. There's not enough of my wife and I to go around to thank everybody that does everything. There just isn't. And, you, and the reality is, I'm saying to you, you'll never be satisfied with me patting you on the back. You'll never be, you may think, I mean, we honored these folks, these graduates today, and it's right for us to do that. And we will continue to honor people that serve the Lord in the work of ministry. We will continue to do that. But if you're looking for my gratitude to satisfy your service, it's never going to happen. Because you'll never be satisfied by my thank you. That's not an excuse for me failing to thank you. That's not me saying you have to excuse me. That's me telling you the reality is that that will never be fully satisfying to you because I'm not your source. If you're looking for my emotional response to your work of ministry to satisfy you on an in-depth level, it's never going to happen. That's unrealistic. It's unrealistic because you're looking for emotional satisfaction, which is an improper building block for your walk with Jesus. My emotional response just like your emotions rarely lead you to a good place. They're unsatisfying. They're human, and they're right, and every single one of us have them. We were created this way. But I'm telling you, if that's your source for satisfaction in doing work for the kingdom of God, you're going to find I'm a failure. I will mess you up somewhere along that train because I can't do what you need me to do. So the key then is our personal relationship with Christ. Our focus must turn from serving others to being served or being served, excuse me, not to being served. Our focus must turn from serving others or being served. It has to turn from serving others or being served by others. Turn from. Sounds like repent, doesn't it? Hmm. Sounds like a good word to fit right in here on this. Repent from serving others are being served by others. Here's the deal, church. The focus has to be on Jesus. Sorry. Joe Biden ruined that phrase for me. Here's the deal. On becoming so absorbed in the relationship, listen to me, I got to say this, hear this. Your focus must become so absorbed in the relationship with God that every other thing is a response to our relationship with Him. It's not in your notes. The focus must become so absorbed in the relationship with God that every other thing, every other thing 
every other thing is a response to our relationship with him. Now that's easier said than done because we live with people and the church is full of people. One southern preacher said, uh, I love pastoring church if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> Pastoring's awesome. Just those people. So the problem is you serve in and around people. So we all got to do this together. And that's why you'll hear this preacher say over and over again, frequently, this word, people grace. People grace. We're all recipients of God's grace. But we got to learn how to give people grace. Because people are messy. People are messy. Listen, you can contact or call Pastor Amy on the wrong day. You can direct your thoughts to me on the wrong day. And I got stuff. There's stuff happening in my life. And you're all caught up in what's happening in your life and trying to help me figure out how I need to do things differently and make life better for you. And you want to fix me. You want me to meet your expectations, but I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how to meet my own. You don't know. I may have just had a disagreement with Pastor Amy, who's all sweet and loving to you. All of the time. Occasionally, we have disagreements. <laughs> really? <laughs> I want to take you to what is a life scripture for me. This is the passion translation of it, and it makes all of this make sense right here. So above all, Constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. I love what the New Living says in that point. Live righteously. That means it's how you treat one another. Walk it out rightly. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Given to you abundantly. All these less important, if we seek God, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness or his right ways, all these less important things. That is, all of this need for satisfaction from people, he takes care of that because we're seeking our satisfaction in serving him. We don't serve men, we serve God. Let me help you out. Have no expectations of one another. Just have none. That way they'll surprise you when they do something right or good. If you will focus, listen to me. I know, I know that's, that's an overstatement. You realize you have to have expectations of others. But but don't be unrealistic in thinking that that will satisfy all of your needs because I can't and no one else in this room can satisfy all your needs. If you will focus on the personal relationship with Christ, there will be an overflow available for others. That's what he means by then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. 
You, you focus on your relationship with, with Jesus. And there'll be an overflow available for others. But when we walk this out, third main point this morning, the risk and the reward. There are risks as well as rewards. There are risks involved with serving, aren't there? Right? There are risks involved with serving. You put yourself out there, there are risks. Listen to Matthew 25, verses 26 and 27. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Doesn't sound like kind words. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Well, this is not 2021. Think for a minute. No interest in the bank. <laughs> it just doesn't happen these days. And when I was a kid, it was great. You put some money in your savings account, and every now and then you just see some more money in there. Interest. Real interest. Yeah, that was a long time ago. <clears throat> the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Once you take on the role of serving, you will incur risks. By the way, serving God means you must serve mankind. So I'm not trying to say here we're not supposed to help or serve others or be engaged with others. No, that you can't be righteous because righteousness walked out is how you treat your brother and sister. I know your righteousness you gain through Christ, but, but it's, it's exampled with all of you. So, you have to serve mankind. Now, the servant in this passage that I just read got caught doing nothing. Literally. He got caught doing nothing. Now, he thought he was doing good. Listen to me when I say this, because you've been there. You've been there. He thought he was doing good. By his standards, he was doing good. He didn't steal. He didn't waste. He didn't lose the money. He, in fact, guarded and preserved the money he was given by the master. Anybody ever thought they were doing good but get sideswiped when somebody said you didn't? Yeah, yeah, you've been sideswiped. You may it may be sitting beside you. And just, you thought you were doing good. You thought you were doing it right. <laughs> no, that's not the way they saw it. You you have to walk this out with people that have expectations that are unrealistic and that's where it gets difficult. This servant thought he was doing what was right. Seriously. He thought he was all good. He was smiling. Wow, they got, wow, he was all nice to them. He's all smiling. Hey, hey, I got everything you gave me, master. It's right here. I did this. I guarded it, watched over it. I did it. You evil Lazy servant, you ain't done nothing I thought you would do. I didn't give you that so you could sit on it. Uh-oh, sounds like there's a message in this for us. Hmm. There are risks involved. We must serve, and here's the point. I have it for you. We must reproduce the work of Christ even at the expense and level of Christ. You could say, ouch. 
You could say amen, but this one comes with an ouch. We must serve. Remember how I said this is no excuse. Just because somebody's in ungrateful, just because of their ingratitude, that's not an excuse to stop serving. We must serve. We must reproduce the work of Christ even at the expense and level of Christ. Those other recipients of the talents had to. They put them, they took risks. And that's why the master calls the one that just stuck it in the ground basically, hid it, evil. The other guys were willing to take a risk. They went out there and served. You have to be willing to get out there and serve, even at the level of Christ. And if you get nothing in return, that's still your heart needs to be set on serving Jesus, not that person. Listen to it from the scripture. John 13, 36 puts it this way. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. You know what Jesus was saying to Simon Peter? I know you're going to betray me, dude. You can't go with me now. You haven't developed enough relationally with me to go with me where I'm going right now. But you will. Remember I said it earlier? Peter made out all right. There's hope for you. He figured it out. He walked it out. He eventually got there. You can't go with me now, Peter, but you will. Look at your neighbor right now and say, you'll get there. You'll get there. But you're not going to get there if you're trying to satisfy another person. We must take, make the most of the opportunities, but understand that there are some risks. So always remember who you're serving. But there are rewards for serving. Really, there are rewards for serving. I have scripture to back that up. Matthew 16, 27 puts it this way. I, the son of man, will one day return with my messengers and in the splendor and majesty of my father and then I will reward each person according to what they have done. And then I will reward each person. Are you a person? According to what they have done. Unlike the one who planted his talent in the ground, he didn't actually do anything. So you have to take the risk to serve. There are some rewards. And one day you're going to get them. Look to Christ alone for gratitude. If you serve Christ, then you will remember to look to him for your approval, not the milk of human sympathy. There, you heard it again, that word milk applied to this issue. You're never going to get what you need by me saying to you, you're awesome. That doesn't excuse me from saying you're awesome, but you're never going to get what you need. It's not a building block for your spiritual life and well-being. Because here's the deal. I said it again. He will reward you for serving others. In fact, he is the reward. Fellowship, the warm embrace of Jesus, the well done from Jesus is what really matters, church. That's what really matters. All of this is temporal. We gave Sister Tina some flowers today, temporal. They won't be here next year. She may feel good about it today. She walks out of here with flowers. None of the rest of you have. Ain't she special? For a couple of months, yes. 
I don't mean that. You're special to me always. But the, the flowers, they're going to wither. My gratitude, our honoring her today, it's going to wither. But guess what doesn't wither? Well done, Tina Morales Negron. You've done all of these things. Look at what I got for you, Tina. That's what's going to matter. I built a mansion. You sent some stuff up ahead of you, and I was able to build you. Look at this mansion. I don't even know if I'm going to let Albert in with you. In the mansion. You know, I, I know you're going to heaven, bro. They'll not be married and given in marriage. Okay, so another message, another time. But just that's what really will matter. Well done. That's what you want to hear. You want to hear Jesus say, well done. Come on in. I got some good stuff for you. You can't imagine. I know I'm paraphrasing. I know it. But everything that I've heard about heaven, it's like that. And if it ain't like that for you, it is like that for me. You can't imagine. That's what Jesus is going to say to me. You cannot imagine what I got for you. Nothing you have seen, nothing you have experienced, nothing you have walked through on earth even remotely comes close to what you get for all of eternity. Well done. Well done. And if I'm honest with you, I'm just going to be so happy I'm there, I do, everything else don't matter. So look to Christ alone for your gratitude. He will reward you for serving others. In fact, he is the reward. When someone feels you let them down, you can surrender that relationship to Christ. You are serving him only. He will give you strength to serve that same person again. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. He said that to people that shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Father, forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. You may want to flee from the ingratitude, the insatiable demands of other people. You're never insatiable. That just means you can't satisfy their needs. You want to, may want to flee from that. But Christ will empower you to be a servant if you take on his attitude. I love it when I hear a few people, and there are a few people in the church that do this with Pastor Amy and I. They'll do something and we'll say, thank you so much. You blessed us. And their response is, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve and not looking for anything more. You're only going to get to where you need to be with this by devotion to your personal relationship with Christ. You're only going to get there because of that. You've got to be sold out to Jesus. So let me conclude pulling the best out of us. The personal relationship with Christ is, is the oasis in the desert of human relations. Your personal relationship with Christ is your oasis in the desert of human relations. In other words, we're going to leave you unsatisfied at some point. We're human. We're human, really. Pastor Amy and I, we're human, but so are you. 
you're married to someone that's human, and sometime they're going to mess up. They're just going to mess up. They're human. When people begin to wear you down, and this is where we have to get to with this message. This is important that you get this, these final points. When people begin to wear you down, let it remind you that you're not in the overflow. What do I mean by the overflow? It's time to drink in or drink of Christ. That's the overflow. That's what you get. When you, when you pull into Jesus, you sup at his table. You serve to make him happy. That's where you'll get real satisfaction. So I ask you the question. Again, this stuff is important. I didn't preach all of this just so you could walk out of here and feel like you were beat up or, or that now I, now I understand some truth. No, you need to ask yourself this question. Are you beat down because your service has not been appreciated? Are you feeling beat down because your service has not been appreciated? Have you been looking for the milk of human sympathy? Run to Jesus. Run to Him and be filled to overflowing. Run to the Lord. Be filled up with all the good that comes from your loving Him relationally. Then you will once again be able to serve with gratitude. You'll be able to serve again. You'll be able to get back in there serve with gratitude? Are you discouraged by people who've demanded much and given little in return? I heard a preacher call those people joy suckers. Just people that when you get around them, all they do, I, I gotta not look at anybody right now so they don't think I'm thinking about them. I'll look at Pastor Mackay, she knows she's good suckers that you get around them and they just they they suck the joy right out of you they're Eeyore in human form
rapture us out of here right now. If there's a question mark on whether or not he would take you with him, let's erase that. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around, nobody moving now. This is an important moment in the church and in the life of the church. If there's any possibility that you're not in a right relationship with Christ, if there's any question on whether you would spend eternity with God in heaven, do you want to erase that question? Lift your hand right where you're at. Let me pray for you. Let's make sure things are good between you and God. Come on, lift your hand up. Any doubt, any question, it's not based on you being a good person. It's based on you having a sure and solid relationship with Jesus. Lift it up high if that's you. I'm not seeing any hands, so I'm, that's why I'm hesitating. So if you're raising it, I'm not seeing it. Then you're telling me everybody is good with Jesus. Everybody in this room is good with Jesus. So I can move on.
love you folks. All of you get some cake because of their, their achievements. And so you sit, hang around a little bit in fellowship with us. Talk to Sister Helen here. You're interested in becoming part of this school. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the lehigh valley but around the world we want to do our part in reaching the people that god has entrusted to us with the gospel of jesus christ you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry god bless you have an amazing day remember you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.